This podcast was recorded in a Zoom meeting with the Hartford Street Zen Center Sangha. Please visit hszc.org for information about how to join our online programs or to make a contribution. We depend on the generosity of our members and supporters, especially during this challenging time. Thank you. I can't see everyone quite so well. We have a little screen today. The um, big screen, a TV, is giving us fits. So we are, we are, it's uh, uh, having a timeout in the corner where it will remain until we can figure out what the problem is. But anyway, it's nice to see what I can of you. Um, this. Uh, picture is very different from some uh, pictures I um, more or less just stumbled into on the internet where you you can find pretty much uh, anything in the universe nowadays is there somewhere and um, again I'm not exactly sure how but I, I wound up uh, looking at some, um, uh, I guess, uh, celebratory assemblies on the part of uh, some uh, uh, enthusiasts for uh, uh, Donald Trump. So these were uh, some enormous, uh, I guess, religious congregations and some smaller ones. And uh, someone had uh, collected a, um, uh, made a kind of, uh, I don't know what it's called, but a sort of paste up of, um, that's okay. Thank you. There you are. Now I have to look you in the eye. Um, uh, someone had collected uh, uh, these scenes that I, I presume the groups themselves had posted somewhere. And someone put a bunch of them together, maybe, you know, a dozen. And I, I don't know if, if you've seen uh, some of these yourselves, but it was actually terrifying. It's actually quite, quite terrifying and looked like a kind of madness. And some of the, the uh, leaders were uh, one, one guy, for instance, uh, said something about, well, we hear that uh, Joe Biden won the presidency. And he starts going, ha, 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 ha. And finally, the whole congregation is doing this. And this is not genuine laughter, right? It was actually, I thought, I have, is this for real? Yeah, this is not a movie. 
this is not Hollywood, this is actually happening. And in one way or another, all of these different groups. And I thought, this is actually frightening that so many people are, I would have to say, flirting with madness in this way, who are moved to um, uh, a kind of unfettered expression of delusion. And I thought, this, you know, is this, is this just, you know, part of our human way? And I, you know, I don't think so. There is such a thing as what you might call ecstatic religion. But I don't think that's it. Many of the, um, maybe all, of the so-called the uh, the mystery cults from uh, particularly the, uh, the era of uh, late antiquity uh, featured a had a kind of uh, ecstatic side to them, but not like that, as far as anyone knows. And I thought, boy, this is a real sharp contrast with a um, meditation hall where everyone is sitting in stillness instead of, you know, screaming and hopping up and down and literally, you know, sitting like foaming at the mouth. And I thought, how is it that we have come to this place where this looks to some people like spirituality? This, I, I'm afraid, is uh, it does not give me great hope for the future. If people are, you know, absorbing somehow the uh, behavior of their leaders, you know who are embodying <clears throat> madness. So I, you know, I don't like to, I'm actually pretty careful not to disparage someone else's uh, religious expression. Um, I don't remember who's saying it was, but someone once said, you know, you, you don't, um, you, you do not destroy someone's belief unless you have something better for them. So, um, so I, I'm having a little trouble not speaking disparagingly of that kind of excessive sojourn into the shadow without any recognition that that's what it is. And the, the camera, you know, once the, the, uh, some of this screaming was done, then there was, you know, some of the praying, oh, Lord, this, hallelujah, 
And then instead of screaming, there was kind of this going on. Whoa. Well, okay. I think maybe that's better than the screaming, but it was very hard for me to feel any connection there at all. And um, I'm sure there must be somewhere in the world today, the people who are, uh, who cultivate a, uh, an ecstatic spirituality that's more like the old style. It doesn't look like that. Is that a hand? Or is that someone adjusting the camera? Sorry, I was... Um... Blowing my nose, so I put the. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I, have, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, for instance, that aspect of of uh, ecstatic celebration is is to be found in uh, traditions that still have a link with the shamanic past. Uh, the Afro Caribbean religions have this source of, of their faith and it doesn't look like that you know, what what it looked like to me was it was like a celebration of anger and hatred just like oh my god is it 1933 again is that what's happening under the complete guise of oh we're you know we're the Jesus people here. We follow the teachings of Jesus. And I thought, yeah, uh-uh. You think Jesus would walk into that assembly and say, yeah, that's what I meant. Go ahead, scream. So I, you know, I don't have a, a remedy except to suggest that if we want to investigate the ecstatic in spirituality, we don't look to them, whoever they are, as our teachers. Maybe some of you have experience. I don't see, there aren't so many of you here today. So uh, you know, with this smallish audience, maybe not. Um, I have a little experience of it, not so much. A little experience of the Santeria, which I think is quite a, you know, that's a, an ancient and respectable tradition. And there are many like it. But mostly, uh, maybe due to my uh, suburban Roman Catholic upbringing, I was a little more, I thought I was better off uh, somehow being still. And um, cultivating what my teacher has sometimes called the religion of stillness has uh, kind of freed me up to appreciate many other expressions. Uh, so at, uh, when I was at Tassajara, somebody, uh, so you have known for a long time, 
um, who is a, a scholar of um, med medieval uh, Indian religion, uh, lent me a tape of some uh, bhakti chanting. And uh, I periodically sneak back to my, my chamber and put on this tape and dance around. No, no one could see me. <laughs> Just because it was, it was kind of fun to move in that fashion. Uh, when so much of our other movement is very slow and still and collected. It is very easy for our energy to disperse. It's quite, quite easy to do that. And it's not like, well, it's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. But it does seem to make it more difficult to have a steady view of reality. And so what's so great about a steady view of reality? Well, it tends to move people towards liberation somehow. If the way we study things as they are is quite haphazard, then sometimes our mind you know, is uh, you know, easily confused. So maybe it's it's good and helpful to find a way that allows our body mind to be collected so that our vision doesn't wobble. You know? And when we turn that light upon the so-called self we are moving in the direction of liberation. I, uh, insofar as I have beliefs, that's one of them. So I don't know, maybe your experience is different, but that's what I would say. And I, I kind of think you may not, uh, in our, our circle, Maybe we don't know too many people who belong to the screamers kind of a thing. But if we do, if we know any such, maybe it'd be really good to invite them to a, just a quiet cup of tea, not to proselytize, just to sit quietly with them. So that there's some ballast or whatever it is, whatever that is, the Sunday morning scream fest, which can't be, I don't see that, it, I cannot see how that is good for people. Now, maybe there's some little uh, relief if, if they're feeling very, very sad that their favorite person did not succeed in achieving the desired public office. So maybe there's a little relief for them if they run around screaming for a while, but that's all. And I don't think there's any help for them there in terms of steadying their view of things as they are.
So that's it's kind of our practice. By the way, can people hear me all right? I, I realize I don't talk very loud. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, you know, our, our practice comes around again and again to the precision of this body-mind in this instant. And many, many, many of our, our uh, Chan and Sen stories celebrate this in one way or another. And many of those encounters are simply the teacher, you know, meeting somebody, some student or monastic or whoever, and uh, checking in with them. You know, how is this precise instant of this body-mind now? How is it for you? And sometimes the response is, it's good. How is it for you? And sometimes it's, what? And depending on that, the uh, teacher might have some suggestion to make or some encouragement to give. But again and again, it's about how are things here and now? So yes, I am thinking of a story. I'm thinking of uh, case 46 of the Blue Cliff Record, which is, I think, a good example. And uh, features uh, a cousin of ours named uh, Zhang, Qing, Zhang Qing Dao Fu, who was, uh, he had a lot of famous Dharma siblings uh, who were all disciples of the great Shui Feng. He's also a celebrated teacher. And in that line, from our own great ancestor, Shirto Shichan, or Sekito Kisen in Japanese. And um, uh, I think the, the weather made this story catch my eye. Um, because uh, Zhang Qing was uh, sitting with um, one of his monastics and he asked the monastic, you know, he says, what's that sound? And the monastic says, uh, that's raindrops. And uh, Zhang Qing says, well, he doesn't say anything for a little bit. And then he sighs and says, uh, you know, sentient beings have it backwards. They 
lose themselves and they chase after things. And the monastic says, well, how about you, teacher? And Zhang Qing says, I almost don't lose myself. <laughs> the monastic says, what does that mean? I almost don't lose myself. Changqing says, it should be easy to express oneself, but it's hard to say the whole thing. Uh, of course, uh, The great Shredo, who collected these stories, who has a poem to go with this story, but I, I have my own poem, which I will share with you if you will allow. Okay, it doesn't seem like anyone's objecting, so let me see. Um, lately, the winter rains. Last night, the bright moon, round and full. What's that sound? Don't be swirled around in the stream of words. You you stand dry shod at the spiritual source. But sentient beings have it backwards. For their sake, time to get your feet wet. So that's my poem. And um, I, uh, I don't see anybody desperately grabbing for a notebook to record this for posterity. So this may be it. Talk's being recorded. Oh yeah. Oh, the, okay. There may be an electronic trace after all, so. We shall see. But John Ching's question, what's that sound? Was, you know, a, an invitation to and simultaneous celebration of the moment. There's nothing wrong with the monastic's reply. In fact, that was a fairly good exchange. But something about the monastic saying, as raindrops, you know, it didn't have quite the ring 
Chang Ching was listening for. So maybe that was Chang Ching's fault. After all, all he could say was, well, I almost don't lose myself. But for us sentient beings, that's actually pretty good. Almost not to lose ourselves. And to find ourselves screaming, ha, 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 with the lunatic up on the stage. After all, what is it to lose ourselves? What self is lost? And we're standing dry of foot at the spiritual source. What self is lost? Well, the next time it rains, which I don't know, maybe not too long from now, uh, listen to the raindrops as they arise here and now. Listen with the whole body mind. And that is our celebratory spirituality right there. have any question or comment today? Uh, looks like Mark. You're all about as big as a postage stamp, so I'm assuming that's Mark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, my question is about the screamers. Can you yes. hear me okay? Yes. Okay. My my question is about the screamers and um, and knowing that there's you know like seven million of them in this country now and feeling that we somehow need to uh, relate with this. I need to relate with the screamer in me and find a way to work with that before I can say anything to the screamers and help them work with theirs. 
and and that I don't I don't feel that opening quite. So that's my question. Mm. Um, yeah, I, uh, I guess I, uh, I don't know if I would say right now that everybody necessarily has their screamer. Maybe, maybe so, but this, the screaming, the screamer is there in the screaming. So I don't necessarily think that there's some screamer hiding in everyone waiting for its moment of, in the sunlight. I, I don't necessarily think that's true. So when you say work with the screamer in you, I would assume you've been doing that all along. Namely, you know, you, you have been steadying your view of reality over and over again. And that uh, draws crazy energy away from that kind of expression. That's how I look at it anyway. So I, I'm not suggesting that uh, we go on a you know, pilgrimage of some kind to rescue our screamer friends. That's why I said, it's just to have a cup of tea with them in a quiet place and be with them and meet them moment after moment, you know, heartbeat after heartbeat, be there with them as an antidote to the poison of screaming madness. And maybe I'll feel different tomorrow, but that's how I feel today. Yes, Kathy. Thank you so much, Mio. I, I'm Getting a theme from the last few talks, including today, follow the stream to the source. And I think your poem took us back there today. And we are standing next to the source, but you are giving us the courage to actually put our feet in the source and not stand beside it. And then I was also thinking, because my tradition is not Buddhism, but I am also one who multiple sits in silence during the day, that those of us around the world that are sitting in silence are an antidote because we are somehow balancing the energies. And so even if we are not explicitly present for the other, the fact that we sit, mm -hmm that we are impact comments. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's probably right. And I, I think immediately, of, you know, thousands of contemplative communities 
helping to stabilize our our shaky, crazy world in just that way. Yeah, I agree. I would just say though, uh, our feet are in the source. So just to remember, following the stream to the source is a journey of no distance and no time. Hokai-san. Yes, thanks for your talk. I had a couple comments. One is I was thinking when you're doing that laughing is I, I used to have a cassette tape from a Indian Buddhist teacher, my or sitar teacher. It was like laughing yoga and it kind of sounded crazy, but also when people started doing that, they, ha 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 ha. And then they started laughing. It was actually cathartic. Yeah. So I guess that kind of leads to a question. I, I realized this tradition and I really appreciate the, you know, you didn't say quietude, you said stillness or, you know, it's a tradition of stillness, but is there a place also for, you know, dancing or catharsis? Um, I know that at Spirit Rock, one teacher told a student when stuff was coming up for them to meditation to go to the woods and express that, you know, hit some sticks, do some stuff, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then another teacher said, don't do that. That creates more karma. Try to sit with your emotion. So I don't know if you could comment on that. Well, that's the sort of thing that kind of needs to be assessed person to person. It's very hard to say, you know, offhand, oh, you know, that's better or that's, that's not better. Um, my own experience has been, uh, has made me a little, a little sensitive to um, the notion that cathartic expressions have more than a very temporary effect. Okay. But that's, again, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that, that's something everyone should believe or should behave like that. It's just been my experience. So I'd be a little, I don't think I'd be apt to tell too many people, yeah, go out in the woods and scream. But maybe, maybe somebody, you know, I would encounter and I would feel like, yeah, that they should do that. You know? um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe yeah. a release. I mean, I've, I, I've seen in my chaplaincy, like I saw a family where somebody had died and they were a different culture, but people were screaming and all this, you know, it felt like maybe that was their, release of course they're going to have long you know grief to go through but in that moment the grief had gone so high they just needed to let off yeah. some steam so yeah. i the, the example you met you know i can really picture that as absolutely kind of insanity i but part of my brain thought oh that might just be all those people's grief you know yeah. but but the whole the whole thing seems insane to me anyway the donald trump yeah, uh, yeah. christian right-wing christian how does that how, you know how is that tied in it doesn't really make any sense to me, but somehow that's, yeah. Well, uh, I think you're right. I think that uh, what was being experienced was grief, in fact. Mm -hmm. But the fact that mm -hmm. it was being presented as something else was downright scary. It's not like, okay, we're okay. going to get together for our service today and grieve. No, it wasn't that at all. It was like, Trump won, didn't he? Ha ha ha! You know, it's like it's just crazy, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Biden didn't win, you know. That's everybody say Biden didn't win, you know. It's like it's just nuts. Mm. Anyway, I I I wish them well and hope nobody gets hurt by that. But 
I don't know what to think. Now, it is true that uh, adherence of that style, let's call it, of faith are declining in the US in a fairly consistent way. And that gives me some hope. However, it is also true that in our modern world, we have lost the all important bridge from the, the spiritual heart of the child to the spiritual heart of the adult. We've lost that. And that is a great danger. So we no longer have mystagogues, as they used to be called, who were, whose job was to help people make that, find that bridge for themselves. And uh, that's something that we need to be making available, especially to our adolescents, right, who are so inclined just to turn away from everything and there's no one to say to them, you know what, there's actually a bridge to something pretty great. And instead it's just like, oh, well, you should come to church with us. It's like, well, I've been doing that since I was like five and I don't wanna do it anymore. And instead of saying, okay, well, we have this other thing you can do that's actually really pretty wonderful. It's like, well, all right, then stay home and play video games. Like that's it, you know? And then they grow up just feeling like, well, I'm an atheist or I'm a materialist, which is like not that helpful. Yeah, religion's gone down in the last, I think it was in the 90s, 70% religion, religious people. Now it's like 40%. Yeah. The religion's definitely declining in this country and seems to be, there doesn't seem to be a lot of great guidance that I'm seeing. Right. In well, in some traditions, in some traditions, I'd say. Yeah. So, time to get our feet wet. Oh, Ronson. I I'm glad that you're addressing this because that video you're referring to is very disturbing, and it is disturbing partly in that. It, it displays a lack of personal awareness and integrity on the part of that megachurch leader. Um, the, the expression of his expression does not match what he's really feeling. He's not feeling hilarity. Right. He's probably feeling rage or something more akin to that. And that disconnection is disturbing. Yeah. yeah. Because of the lack very, of integrity. Very unhealthy. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And that may be partly why religion is becoming <laughs> out of fashion because it's become so uh, disconnected from personal integrity. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's why I left mainstream religion yeah. a long time ago. And I used to be what in high school, I was what was called a Jesus freak in those days. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to throw that out as to why I think that what might be underlying some of that a lack of personal integrity and 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 one's affect not mar matching what one is feeling. Right. Individuals and in large groups. Yeah. Well, uh, when I was an adolescent, 
Um, and I felt in, in myself the spirit life of the child passing away. I ran around saying, okay, where's the bridge? Hello, anybody? You know, Roman Catholics, Benedictine Monastery where I was in school. Where's the bridge? No one said any, no one had anything to offer except the Buddhists. And that was too bad because it's there. The bridge is there. Hmm. That's a part of our human inheritance. No, no faith tradition has a, uh, a monopoly on that. But there has to be someone who says, oh, I know about that. Come on, let's talk or let's do this or here's this practice. Something. Something besides just go to church and say your prayers. And I don't know. It's like, no, it's not enough. Sorry. That was fine when I was six. And I'm not six anymore. I'm 16. See? Oh, no, no. I'm not 16. I'm 70. But anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, Tendo-san, let me, uh, I have to uncork myself here. That's enough, Padmasana for one morning. Okay, yes, go ahead. Uh, I don't know if Cato wanted to go first. But, um, Sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Cato was chiming in at the same time. Oh, Cato, did you want to say something? Urgent. I'll go after Tendo. Okay. Um, I want to thank you, of course, for your talk. I want to thank everybody who's put in questions and comments. I really enjoyed hearing everybody and you know, everybody's perspective. Um, it was interesting. Okay. Sure. Um, That's good. Thank you. I was intrigued by how you started out the talk with kind of a spiritual technology with the mudra that went immediately into a different kind of sort of spiritual technology with the um, kind of hypnotic, trance, sort of ecstatic piece. Um, and then talking about the other ecstatic religions. I don't know a lot about them, but it seems like most of the ones that I even know have a glancing familiar with is sort of the workup of the expression of energy is followed by stillness, mm -hmm. you know, by the trance or by some sort of period of quiet. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm saying too much. Uh, I really enjoy that you rework the uh, Zen stories into your own words. Thank you. It's really inspired me to do that with Bible stories with my Christian friend. Yes. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, like it's a story. No, it's not just whatever. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you for constantly reminding us of the tremendous heritage that we do have. And I was curious if you might talk more about this um, sense of that, that ecstatic energy and stillness and that interrelationship between the two. Um, mm that seems to be present in kind of all spiritual technologies to some point, but maybe from the perspective of Zen. Uh, 
I mean, we've got like gung fu, like in China, you know, maybe it's time work, you know, like, like what, what, I mean, are there different physical things that we're just not doing anymore that, you know, we're part of practices in some traditional times? Um, and anyway, so I'll stop there. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I, I think we, we have the lion's share of that inheritance. And uh, if it's, it's true, there aren't so many um, like physically expressive aspects of that inheritance uh, beyond, you know, rather sober walking meditation. Uh, there are, of course, prostrations. Sometimes people will do hundreds of those. Um, but there are also, there's also the uh, individual's experience of joy, which I, I must say, I find to be part of our life of the spirit together. But it doesn't necessarily get much um, it doesn't get much play in, you know, uh, it isn't talked about a lot. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't, we don't really encourage people to uh, sit, sit around and, and talk about their recent experience of joy. I mean, we could, I suppose, I suppose we could do that. Um, but I sort of feel like everyone who practices dharma becomes acquainted with, as Suzuki Roshi called it, the joy that arises naturally. And sooner or later, in one way or another, everyone experiences that. And uh, it's maybe better if it doesn't get, you know, focused on, because then people think that's what they're practicing for. And then it's not the joy that arises naturally anymore. It's something that's being sought for or chased after. Like John Ching said, then, then you've lost yourself and you're going after something else. But that joy that rises naturally lives in the source and steals up on us when we're least expecting it. You know, the sound of the raindrops or the glancing sunlight or it's unpredictable but it is there and it is part of what nourishes our practice life and if it's not there and it may there may be of course a time in the desert when one is is feeling like one is being subjected to a a drying out that is actually quite unpleasant and difficult. Uh, but that's only a phase. So, um, you know, can't, uh, I guess I could spend the rest of the day talking about this, but probably I shouldn't. Uh, but just remind people that this is a, a significant and, and serious part of our practice life. And if, if one has, if one feels like one has been in the desert too long 
and has no knowledge of the joy that I'm talking about, one should probably consult with somebody. Might be a good time for that. Or it might be a good time to be reminded that if we think we know what that joy is like, we may be missing it. Okay, maybe, maybe that's enough for right now. Well, thank you for your, your patience as always. Um, please take good care. Um, have a good weekend. And uh, I think there's some sunshine today. Oh, Cheryl's on? Oh, Kato-san, I'm sorry. Did you want to ask a question? No, it wasn't. Yeah, I didn't have much to say. I mostly just uh, was appreciative of the conversation you know, that we're having about. I, I'm uncomfortable with people making noise. Um, it's okay, I think it's okay for people to express some venting or, you know, whatever. I guess it's just what is the intent and what is the result and what's the energy around it. But my question was um, more about just the sort of what you meant when you were talking about the I guess, spirituality of the child. Is that, are you talking about like a, an openness and a curiosity and a, um, is, that, is that what that means or I just- Yes. Yeah. The way the child apprehends reality, which okay. is you know, quite extraordinary and, and quite simple and straightforward. And uh, as we age, it, you know, it gets, well, I don't know what happens to it exactly, but it has something to do with the body-mind of the child. And as that body-mind develops, a different way of apprehending reality has to be incorporated. So does that speak to your... Yeah, that's kind of a technical thing, but children do scream, you know, and make lots of oh, noise. Oh, sure. Yes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And then the next minute, you know, they're burbling with happiness. Kind of nice. Okay, well, again, um, please join us once more at some point, and we'll do this again.